Grab your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 40, verse 8. And Pastor Steve, I'm advocating for an additional app for our smartphone Bibles. And uh, I, want an, I want it when we open it up and start looking for it, it starts sounding like pages that are being turned. And uh, because, you, you know, that's how a preacher knows when to start reading, you know. So anyway, but we'll get to Genesis chapter 40, verse 8. So today, and we'll get there in a minute. Today, I want to talk to you about dream acceleration. What does it take to get our dreams to accelerate? I believe the Bible gives us principles because God is a God of dreams. But if we live our life based on our view of the world, we're going to live a very small life because we live with a in a limited reality. There's only one who really has a view of all that's going on, and he's told us, you know, that he's going to he's going to let us in on stuff, but it's a need to know basis only. But if we live our life with just in our own view of things, we're going to live a small life, and here's why. Ephesians three twenty says this. Now, glory God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Every now and then, you know, when you're following the Lord, he'll just haul off and you'll have one of those wow moments when things are just absolutely so wonderful, so marvelous, so beyond what you could ever dream that all you can do is stand back and say, wow. It's just his character, it's his nature. And whenever I think about things that are beyond my ability to comprehend, I think about dreams. I think I must be dreaming. Because God is a God of dreams. You know, dreams are a New Testament standard of communication. Three times in the first two chapters of the book of Matthew, God specifically communicates to the family via the instrument of dreams. And having been a Christian for 39 years, I've been around a lot of believers who have goofy dreams. They do. And I found a way that we can qualify our dreams to know if they're from the Lord or not. And here it is. Every dream that is from the Lord is about the family. If you want to know if your dreams from the Lord or not, all you have to do is hold it up in the view of how this impacts the family. Now, how can I be so confident in saying that? Because the family is God's dream. Everything about this planet, everything about what we experience as reality, everything about the, you know, the theme of the Bible is God's desire to be a father with a family. So his dream is the family. And it should be our dream also. But when I think of dreams, I always think of Joseph the dreamer especially when I think about dream acceleration because he had this dream and for many years it, was, it wasn't coming to pass, but suddenly it came to pass. I mean, he went from the prison to the palace overnight. And I found a key that I believe is not only Joseph's key, but I believe it's a key for you and I, but it's a kingdom principle of what caused that to happen. And we find it in Genesis chapter 40, verse 8. And it reads like this, Genesis 40, verse 8. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. 
go ahead and tell me your dreams. Now, can we just step into this story for just a minute? Here's a guy who had a dream. And his dream up to this point had brought him nothing but heartache and pain. He'd been misunderstood by everyone from the day that the dream arrived. His family, his brothers conspired to kill him, sold him into slavery. He now finds himself in prison. And can you imagine how emotional it must have been when these two guys walk up to him and say, hey, we had these dreams. I would imagine he could have had all kinds of excuses why not to get involved with their dreams. He could have said, no, this hurts too much. There's too much of my past that I've been through. I don't have time to engage in any more hardship. But the Bible tells us something miraculous happened. He just said, well, that's God's business, but go ahead and tell me your dreams. And the principle or the purpose of this message is this. Our dreams accelerate when we become interested in the dreams of other people. Our dreams accelerate when we become interested in the dreams of other people. It's a key focus and principle for us as kingdom people. It is the main purpose of ministry to help people find and fulfill their God-given dreams. What are the dreams of others? As we're interested, you know, if we say, okay, if, I, if I'm going to sow the seed that causes my dreams to accelerate, and that is helping, you know, getting interested and involved in the dreams of other people, what are the dreams of other people? Well, at a, at a base level, at a root level, I believe at a genetic, a DNA level, their dreams are this. We all desire to experience the love of the family. Regardless of what our dreams are, there's this thing inside of us that drives us. I believe it was given to us at our creation. When God took the dirt and, the, and his breath and breathed into us, he gave us that of his nature, made like in his image. And there's this longing and this desire for us to experience the love of the family. If, if recently, if our social media phenomena hasn't shown us that people are hungry to connect on a relational level, no matter how superficial that is, to us as believers, it should scream to us, people are longing to experience the real reality of the family with a father who perfectly loves us. So how do we become interested in other people's dreams? How do we do that? We use our gift. We use our gift. Proverbs 18, 16 in, in the New King James says this. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. The New Living Translation, it says this. Giving a gift can open doors. It gives access to important people. The NIV says it this way. A gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the grave. Now, I've always assumed this passage of Scripture was talking about those things that we say are our gifts. You know, like I'm a guitar player, right? And that's my gift. Well, actually, I worked real hard at that. But, but 
It's my gift. And because I have that gift, then it opens up opportunities. It creates access for me to influence people. And that's true. But as I studied this passage of Scripture, I found another definition for it that I thought was very profound. When I looked it up, it simply said this. What is the gift? What is the gift? It defined it like this. That which you presently have to give away. That which you presently have to give away. Now, I want you to be thinking about that. What do I have that I can give away? Because the Bible tells us if we give that gift, it opens doors, it creates access, it gives us influence, and it helps us to show our interest in people, in other people. The only problem that we have is that we think too much. And what happens is, is that we discover, hey, I have, this, I have this in my life that I can give away, but it's really not of any value. And so we begin to devalue our gift and we begin to discount those things that we have. But what I've learned is that, that which might be of little or no value to you may be of great value to someone else. And it might very well be the key that opens the door that causes influence to come into their life. I shared this message not long ago at a conference I was speaking at, and a few weeks after that, a lady sent me an email, and she told me this story. She said, some folks moved into our neighborhood just down the street from another nation they immigrated here, you know, different nationality, different religion, different culture. And I heard that the lady's mother passed away. And I wanted to do something to express my condolences. But I couldn't think of anything that I thought was important enough to communicate that. And she said, and then I remembered your message and the point about devaluing our gifts. She said, I baked a loaf of bread. And I took it to my neighbor and as I expressed my condolences and gave her, said, I made you this loaf of bread. And the lady just began to weep. She began to just weep. And she said, you know, this so reminds me of my mother because my mother always baked bread. And one regret that I have is that she never taught me how to bake bread. And the lady simply turned and said, may I? teach you how to bake bread. It was a gift, and she didn't devalue it, and it opened up a door. Now, you have that same thing in your life right now. It's not something that's coming. It's not something it, in the future. It's something right now. You have a gift that you can give away. Don't devalue that gift, but use it. You know, we get so, so, so concerned about winning people to, to bringing people to faith in Jesus. We so bypass so many things in that it all begins with them experiencing the goodness of God. That's what leads us to change our mind, to repent. And it all starts with us being there, just being there. And your gift creates an opportunity for you to be there. I'll tell one more story and then I'll close. There was a lady and she had a gift. 
And it would have been real easy to devalue this gift. She had one empty seat in a beat-up old station wagon. Now I have to explain what a station wagon is to all the young people. That's that thing Clark Griswold drove in those movies, you know, green, wood grain, you know, grandma in the back kind of thing. She had, she had one empty seat in a beat-up old station wagon with her five kids and her husband. Now, it'd be real easy to devalue that kind of chaos. You know what I'm saying? That would be like, no, nobody, want, nobody wants any interest in this. But she offered it to someone. She offered a ride in her beat-up station wagon to church. And she accepted. This lady accepted her invitation, and she rode in her beat-up station wagon to church. She was using her gift. You have a gift in your life. She accepted the ride to church, and she came and she began to feel the value that people had for her, and she began to experience the love of the family, and the walls of pain and abuse started to come down, and she felt the love of what it meant to be connected and appreciated and valued by God because of of people using their gift. And that gift caused her life to be changed and transformed. Her husband came to faith. Her marriage was reconciled. And she's sitting over here on the third row. That's my wife, Sherry. Somebody had a gift to give, and it was just a ride in a beat-up old station wagon. But it was the thing that transformed our lives and our marriage and our children and our grandchildren and our destiny. It'd be real easy for all of us to devalue our gift and say, nobody's interested in what I presently have to give away. We can't judge the gift. We can't judge the result. We only need to be there giving what we have. Our dreams accelerate when we become interested in the dreams of other people. How does that happen? We just use the gift that we have and we just show up. And Jesus shows up and things take place. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that as we just look over the landscape of our life, Lord, and we decide we, we have this gift in our mind. I have that thing in my garage that I can give to my, I have that, I have that, those cookies I can bake. I have that money I need to give. Lord, just as we look over those things, Lord, let us not devalue those things, but let us give them. And Lord, let those seeds do what they need to do to, to cause influence and doors to open. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me say one more thing. If you're here today and you have not experienced the love that God has for you, his family, I'm just going to give it to Pastor Steve, and he's going to tell you how here at Christian Life Cathedral you can do that. But the greatest thing that you can ever do in life is to open your heart to the gift that God wants to give you through Jesus and say yes to him. God bless you all.